they don't know where to start. And that's where we come in and help them establish the baseline and then work a program through them where they can increase whatever the different problem or morale to, to bad attitudes, whatever's going on in their thing. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. We are so excited to have you here today. Do you want to give us a brief intro and what you do, how you got involved in your work and who you help serve now? Not a problem. I would love to. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, A little bit about me. I've got a pretty diverse background. Currently, I have three companies. I have a uh, webinar and training company where it was a seminar company. It's I call it more a webinar company nowadays with the pandemic going on, but it is an online training. It is a full service training and uh, development company. Uh, a lot of my coaching clients and stuff come out of that full service training company through the seminars and webinars that I do. That's where I get a lot of my clients and through, through trainings and through dealing with my computer consulting company. So all that's sort of wrapped into one company. And then I have actually another couple of companies that don't fit anywhere close to that. I have a, a real estate company, small little boutique real estate company. And then I also have a construction company as well. I'm very diverse. People don't think that the construction company and the online training company really go together well. And they always scratch their head when they hear that. But that's just my three companies. Got a very diverse background. You name an industry. I've pretty much been in it over the last 30 years from, I had a small corporate career. I've worked for myself for about 25 years now. And other than that, I'd like to have fun and enjoy and walks on the beach and all that good stuff. So anywhere, I'm nowhere close to the beach. Absolutely. So I guess, could you tell us a bit more about that training and development company? What are some of the key things that you discuss during different webinars or seminars for that matter? What does the training look like? What kind of development are you specifically focusing on? Those type of things. Yeah, I do quite a bit. I do about 30 different subjects, actually. So it's all wrapped around one of my companies called Blast Seminars. It's business leadership and sales training. So it covers the full gamut of business from all the way into uh, management training, management consulting, marketing. I go down through sales training, go through all the leadership aspects. We, We get into personalities, the difficult people, all the the seminars are out there in the world. We pretty much do all of them problem solving. You name it, we we put a a spin on it in our own way and take care of it. Yeah, that's interesting. So during this weird COVID-19 time pandemic, how has your training shifted through that often? I've heard a lot of people are either having a really good experience or not a necessarily great one, but what have you guys been doing to help move that forward and get people to the right spots? Technically, we, I've had a great time with it. I've enjoyed it to the point where I've got small kids. I've got five-year-old twins and a boy and girl. So I love it because, you know, I try to schedule my thing where I'd be out on the road two, three days a week on the beginning of the week and maybe two, three days on the end of next week so I could spend a lot of time with them and then concentrate on some of my other companies as well. But, you know, that at this point where I can just do my, my online training, sit here in my home studio and then walk back out and lightsaber battle with my kid during a 10 minute break and, and eat lunch with them. That's a, that's an awesome thing for me from that standpoint. And I'm, I'm just getting a lot done. I, I, 
I, it's a weird time and that we are, we're at with all the pandemic, but for me, it's been awesome. I've been when going through the process of rebranding, getting a lot of the stuff done that I did not have the time to do it, regrouping, getting organized, getting a lot of the house projects done, of course, right through my wife and all the stuff that she wants me to do, but it's been a great time for business and I, I've loved it. I was in the process of ramping up more on the online stuff when the pandemic came about. So I had a lot of the equipment, a lot of the my studio set up. So it was just a natural transition to me to really throw me into it. There's still a lot of learning curves, a lot of stuff I learn and research every day, but I'm finding it, I'm finding it awesome right now. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm all about it. So I'm doing anywhere from three to four webinars online, full day webinars every week. And it's, I'm staying really busy. Yeah. So those webinars, do you take people through a different topics in them? What are some of those topics? Yeah, it just depends on the client I'm doing. They go through a you know, catalog or something, figure out what they want to do. And, and we do from mom and pop companies. I do a lot of government training, a lot of military training, a lot of government entities, all the way through Fortune 500 companies, you name it. It's not one distinct market that we really concentrate on it from the training aspect. The consulting and stuff is little that I can have a lot of ties into the construction industry and the <clears throat> National Association of Home Builders and stuff. So I get a lot of consulting in the construction industry, which ties into a lot of my coaching clients, a lot of my marketing clients. And uh, but be surprised, a lot of the coaching clients come from a lot of my training seminars, which is government and just regular business through HR managers and stuff like that. They have a need where they have a problem, problem employee that they want to do some correction on or put them through a, a course. And that's where we do it. So. Yeah, absolutely. So to talk a bit more about the coaching um, aspect of that business, what are some of those problems and pains that the coaching people are coming to you with? And then how do you get them to that, that better spot? What, are, what does that look like? Yeah, if it's through one of my HR managers or something, usually it's a problem child, it's a bad attitude or something, they're having problems with their team. Maybe that team member or that manager has been through a situation where he's lost the trust of his employees or he's, he's being perceived wrong. Perception's a big word of mine that I love to work through it. And a lot of times if it's through the HR manager, it's usually an employee, a bad attitude. And a lot of the stuff I come from the, the CEO, the executive team, and, and that's a lot of stuff that comes that I get into a lot of the coaching too, as far as building the businesses, the front end, the back end, going through, maybe they'll have a corporate problem they can't figure out and they want an outside person to come in and look look at and or I team up with one of my friends down here to do some surveys and we do a lot of the survey, figure out some of the problems, figure out the internal workings. So it's a pretty good, pretty well balanced as far as where a lot of my clients come from. So. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me a little bit more about those surveys. What kind of surveys are you doing to help these people um, figure out their problems, their pains, all that? It really depends. We do from anywhere from, you know, it, we do a lot of custom surveys and stuff, and it could be anywhere from the employee engagement. It could be a satisfaction. It could be taking the pulse of the company at the time. One of the biggest things on the surveys is to go through, if you're going to do a survey, make sure you do something in the information. And what it does is establishes a baseline so you can check out your employees to, to put them against that from a year from now, two years to see if you're advancing. Because a lot of these CEOs and and different people, they want to make changes. They don't know where to start. And that's where we come in and help them establish the baseline and then work a program through them where they can increase whatever the different problem or morale to, to bad attitudes, whatever's going on in their thing and in, in, in the company and increase that. So. 
Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the things that if these employees that come to you through an HR manager or a CEO, whatever it may be, if they can't fix that attitude or they're struggling to gain the concepts that they need to be good at their job, what oftentimes happens after that? Do they continue to work with you or it's just done or what does that look like? Yeah, I've had multiple situations like that. A lot of times they'll go through a, a situation where they'll team up the the manager and put them with me and say that I've had multiple things where I, they, they usually, a lot of times they'll offer the program. I, I just had one with a very prominent company, nationwide company, and they basically gave their manager an ultimatum. They, she was uh, very demeaning to her, her, her team and everything. And they said, you're either going to go through a coaching program with Tim, or we're going to put you in a demotion situation. And she actually chose the demotion situation over that. So that means that she was probably very unhappy with what her current situation was. So she chose demotion over a, a simple coaching program. I had a six month layout coaching program that I put together for this company. And, but at the same time, I just had one to finish up where he, he started a similar situation. He had a bad attitude towards his group and he thought he was awesome and they thought he was not awesome. And and we went through the process where I've got, I had at this one, I created like a 13 page survey. I gave it to him, made him do a survey. And then I did a 13 page survey to all his employees. And pretty much at that point, you get them both back. You see where the disconnect is real fast. He thinks he's awesome and, and they don't. You know? and, and then it really deals down to, it could be, a, it could be a personality issue. It could be a, just a working issue or just in this case, he just, he was oblivious. It was just yeah. his personality. He's a very dictatorship and he just, he got a little rubbed wrong with some of the management and, and HR and CEO and all that stuff. So he's become disgruntled more and more to the point where it started affecting his team. And, and those little things, they come out as if you ask enough questions or do surveys or go through the process. Yeah, absolutely. So I've heard a few different times the concept of becoming a leader from a manager. How do you work with these people to get them from that manager state to being an actual leader that's looking forward and having vision for their team and organization? Yeah, it just depends. For one, I always tell people that first figure out if this manager really wants to become a leader because there's a lot of people that they don't want to be in a management role. And a lot of the problem that we have in corporate is somebody gets promoted to a leader just because they've been there 20 years. They, well, you got the seniority, so we're going to make you the leader, the manager of this group. And, and that's the worst thing from that should ever happen. And you got to know what, how to deal with that first. If that person wants to go to level, I always refer it back to the Maslow or Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What motivates that person? Is he motivated by, he wants the pinnacle on the top, or does he just want a paycheck to feed his family and he doesn't want any of the stress of it? If it gets to the point in one of the classes, we teach a lot of management classes, even all the way down to staff to supervisor classes where a staff member gets promoted and all the woes of doing that. You're now in charge of all your buddies and stuff. So there's a lot of aspects to depending on the situation uh, of the person that you're, that's going through and what they can bring to the table. And a lot of times we'll go through, if it's from a coaching standpoint, we'll assess where they're at. You can assess where they're at from through a lot of questions, a lot of the surveys. And I'm a big open-ended question person. It's like when I go through a coaching process, my first initial meeting is to get to know the person and to figure out one-on-one. -on -one, you, you don't know. If I took you on as a coaching client, this would be our first meeting, getting to know each other and talking. I'd be asking a lot of questions like you're asking me, and I would be doing a lot more listening from that standpoint. 
And that's what you want to do is get to know the person. And then we go through different things where we could do a personality assessment. We can do some different assessments that are out there to figure out exactly that person. Then maybe have their people do some personality assessments or some of the other questions, other assessments, other surveys to figure out if it's going to be a good fit for one. And if it is a great fit, but maybe it's something that we need to work on. And at that point, it's going to identify the weaknesses of this manager to be and or this manager. And then we can develop a program based on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I heard in there that you said you use some personality assessments for that. What do you use and how do you assess them? Well, there's a couple of them that are out there. You can go to the free assessment personalities, like 16, I think it's 16 personalities. A lot of people use that one out there. It's free personality assessment thing. There's online Myers-Briggs out there. There's the DIST training, the, Tol- the Tony Alessandra He's got the four out there that you can do. So it just really depends on what they're at. I I don't have one because we teach all the different ones in all our seminars. So it just really depends on what the flavor of the day is and where I'm at and how, if they're local, if they're across the world, if they're across the world, it might be something I send them. I might just send them to the 16 personalities because it's free online and they can kick out a report instantly. It just really depends on the client and the the situation. And we can go into that. I've got some people that are certified Myers-Briggs personality assessor. So we might be able to do a full blown if we're going to do their whole group, something like that. I want to go a little bit more deep. So I'd bring one of my assessors in that's certified to uh, go through that. And we would do the whole group instead of just the one person. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you're working with not only the manager, but also the team. What kind of dynamic does it turn into after the fact of working with them? Is it oftentimes a good dynamic switch? Is culture being changed in it? What, what does that yeah, look like? Yeah. yeah, I think it's definitely a good thing. It's just a lot of times half our, our problems in the corporate culture and corporate world in, in general is just communication. There's a lack of communication. There's a communication difference that we need to work through. And if we can figure out where that lack of communication is and how to bridge that gap, uh, a lot of times I'll start out with a coaching client. I'm like, what's going on? They go, I hate my job. Okay, great. What do you hate about your job? I hate everything about my job. Really? Yeah. I said, do you get a paycheck at that job? Yeah, I get a paycheck. Do you like that? Yeah, I like that. There's one thing. You got benefits? Yeah, yeah, I like that too. Yeah. And we go through and we can reuse, break it down to one or two things that really is pushing their buttons and make them hate their job. But at yeah. the same time, you got to go through those, that, those questions, asking where it is and breaking it down because most people have that big picture. It's the same with working with teams. What's the communication gap? he's just impossible. What's impossible about him? Uh, He's just impossible. And we have to break it down. The more you can dive deeper and deeper, that's when you develop a program and it really comes out in the wash at that point. Yeah, that's cool. Oftentimes, what are like the two top things that people realize are the biggest communication errors within a team? I think a lot of it's just personalities. They're speaking the wrong language. And then a lot of times you can go through the process of going through the personalities and making sure that they understand how that just because it's coming out of your mouth, it goes in somebody else's that it doesn't make total sense in their ears. And a lot of times the next one would be going through the situation where I had a thought there, but it just slipped me. But that's one of those things, personalities. And then you go through the process where there's something that's, it's an attitude or there's a thorn. There's something there that's causing that. And I get a lot and a lot of attitude problems where they're trying to readjust the attitude of the person. But a lot of times it boils down to just a simple one thing. It could be a policy in place. It could be something that manager does that rubs the team wrong. And it's just one of those things. And 
you can narrow it down to really personalities and or what that one thing is and or just a simple communication here somehow. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. <laughs> and oftentimes people might not even realize that it's communication that they're struggling with. They might think well, it's... We're, we're, million other things we we think the words that come out of our mouth make total sense to the other person and and a lot of people don't know common sense is handed out lightly in the world and and it's just and that's the mentality of a lot of people but a lot of times you're just speaking the wrong language you're speaking a language of direct and to the point and you got somebody that's a a very soft personality and that's the wrong way to approach them, but you got to teach them from a empowering or empathy standpoint where, you know, and then, or you might have somebody that's very analytical and you're just telling them the socializer out there that's telling them all the good feelings that they're going to get out of this. And they need to be thinking more along the lines of the, how am I bringing statistics and stuff to the conversation? So we just speak a lot of different languages and a lot of, in a lot of our seminars, I think I have, one seminar, we go through about 17 levels of communication and different things that bridge the gap from introverts to extroverts to personality training. And you go through all these different things, the visual learning, the auditory learning, you go through all these and that really makes a world of difference of that person and how they communicate. But a lot of people don't understand all that stuff adds up to how we speak somebody else's language and how we make an impact. The simple words from interviewing the person all the way to giving feedback to that person, we have to speak where they understand those languages. Yeah, absolutely. So I've heard a few times of the concept of open questions essentially, and you've already mentioned it. And oftentimes people don't realize what that is. Can you give a little bit more depth of how people could coach their team with, with open questions? Yeah. Open-ended questions probably one of the biggest things. People aren't using open-ended questions. I always tell people you got one mouth and two ears, use accordingly, right? You should be doing more listening than you, you know, should be doing talking, especially as a coach. You need to be asking a lot of open-ended questions. And the more that you can get the other person talking and you can get them opening up, for one, it's creating that empathy. It's creating the empathy from that the other person. But what it's doing is allowing you to get down to the, the root of the problem. And based on the answer that they're giving you on that question that they're talking, you can form another question and you can ask them that question. Because even if you have the answer, because from a coach standpoint, you don't want to give where you're giving. I tell them, not even from a coach standpoint, I tell my CEOs that I work out, biggest advice I could ever give you is to never, ever give specific advice to your people again, because that's the easy way out. Somebody comes in our office, they ask a direct question. What do we do? We give them a direct answer. I said, the biggest thing I can teach you to get better about is ask open-ended questions. If you can, if I have the color blue in my head, I can ask you enough questions to get you to say the color blue out of your mouth. It's really simple. I can walk, wind you down the path by asking enough open questions. But at that point, you can, you bridge this communication gap and they get it in their own terms. They get it in their own thought process, their own brain analyzation. And they're not back in your office here in two hours going, what did you mean by when that, when you said this? Or they're asking the coworker as soon as they step outside your office because they didn't understand a word you said. And that's one of those things you want to do. The more open-ended questions is just keep them open and let the other person talk. Based on that answer, ask them another open in and you want to keep that conversation going. And it's a lot of people, I, I teach a lot of execs this. I teach a lot of my, I mentioned in every training seminar I do. I just had somebody hit me up from uh, six years ago. I taught this and she was down in Florida and she found me online from six years ago on one of my social media accounts. She goes, I don't know why it popped in my head, but I tried this. She told me six years ago to do this. 
and I tried it and it's actually changed my leadership ability in, in fathomable ways that she could never imagine. And she just wanted to reach out and tell me, thank you. So it's one of the things that everybody's going to do when they get into the place that they feel like they can do it. But if you ever can speed up that learning process from a coach and or just a manager in general, it's, it's asking open-ended questions. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you teach that to your clients? What are some of the ways they're Obviously, there's some tools that I'm sure that you use. Yeah, there. it just depends. on. A lot of times I'll tell them what an open-ended question is from giving them a list of open-ended questions. And we'll do some, some if, if it's somebody that's a coaching client, we'll do some role play and back and forth and banter and stuff where I'll start having them ask me questions because it's all about a comfort level. If you do this and you, you're asking your kids this, I mean, kids are good about asking us open-ended questions, right? They're, they're naturals at it. So you got to become to get to the point where you're the natural and that's what you got to do from that standpoint. And it's all about role play. Uh, it's great for all aspects. Even we use this lot in Salesforce, right? The more open-ended questions you can ask, it's going to be great for the, just the sales trainings that we do as well. And it's literally starts out with a list of open-ended questions. I'll give them a list of 25 open-ended questions. Go find your biggest ones that you like in there. And then let's play with that. Let's start figuring out how that really resonates with you that you can utilize that and makes it like it's your common saying what's your common voice that you're going to use which questions that you can feel that's going to come out of your mouth and feel natural yeah that's cool i i like that concept of getting giving them the list and having them have the ability to choose what feels comfortable and necessary in their job for sure right sure for sure do you find that people struggle to have a learning curve with that? Is it quick? Some What does that look like? Is it quick? Is it hard? Have they come up successful after the first week or are they? No, no. It's a practice thing. Yeah. yeah. You definitely have to practice. And I find that a lot of people are resistant to it. They don't know exactly how to do it. Once they do it and they see the successes out of it, that's when the eyes open. And I do this a lot of my seminars when I was on the road and stuff, I could ask the seminars and I would do it while we were in the, the class. I tell a seminar end at four o'clock. I'm like, Hey, if anybody wants to work through things, please just stay and we'll work through things. And I told them about this open ended seminar. I was thinking about this one event. I was up in North Dakota and I had 25 people that day, 23 people stayed after four o'clock and we worked on them one-on-one for another two and a half hours. This was one of a lot of, they wanted direct answers, but I wouldn't give them direct answers. And I told them how I had mentioned the open-ended question four times that day and really pounded it in because the trainer we're going to repeat until we get it in your head. Absolutely. And we start with this one lady and I started asking her questions. She had a relationship between her and her daughter. This class was on stress management and everything. And we went through the process. I asked her from her and her daughter, different open-ended questions. What do they talk about on the drive to school? What are they dinner at the kitchen table? Does she have a phone? Does she have a computer in a room? The whole daily thing. And we got through the process. I asked her about 20 questions, about 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden she just starts bawling and she's crying. She's, oh my God, you're awesome. You're so awesome. Thank you. And the other 20, 23 people, 22 people in the room were like, what just happened there? But they got to see that firsthand, how the open-handed questions worked. And I explained to them, that's how open-ended questions are so powerful. I didn't tell her one 
ounce of advice. All I did is ask her questions because a lot of times people don't take the time to assess themselves. They don't take time to, they're looking for the easy out, the easy answer, right? How, how do I lose weight? You know, how, well, take this magic pill, right? You can lose weight tomorrow and you can be ready to fit in that dress, drop 50 pounds tomorrow. And that's what they do. But they don't take time to ask themselves the question to really assess what the problem is. If people take time to assess simply what we do as coaches, take time to assess the problems, they can find out a lot of this stuff themselves, but they don't. That's why there's a need. That's a need for coaching. That's a need for trainers to go through and, and walk them through this process so they can narrow it down. And that's what we do. And then once you can do that's that's easy. That's the first step to uh, correcting a thing is to figure out what it is. But you, I do it by asking a lot of open-ended questions. Yeah, absolutely. And even between teams, so I think that's so vital for managers to be able to be coaches to their team and ask those questions to get down to the root of the true right. issue that exists. Yeah. yeah, it's the same thing on managers. I tell them to have, they better have be having weekly meetings. If, if you're done with me, because a lot of times they don't have them in their office till their six month review or their year review. I'm like, why are you not having your office once a week saying, hey, what can I do to help you? What can you do? What do you do? What are you doing on a daily basis? I can help you do better. And that, what that is just creating that empathy. It's creating that conversation. It's creating that one-on-one -on -one time that you need with your people. But so many people make that mistake where, oh, they're too busy and all that stuff. You, you can take 10 minutes out of your day and call somebody in there and have a, a, a conversation with somebody and then send them on their way. It's a really simple thing to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm really glad that you said that too, because oftentimes we don't have conversations like that with our team and we no. don't know what's actually even going on with their work or their lives or <laughs> their goals. Right. And it's yeah. sad, honestly. Yeah. Well, our corporate environments change nowadays. People want to know that you have their back, that you have a relationship with them. I always ask people, can you be friends with your employees? And it's very distinct. Half of them will say no and half of them will say yes. And we, there's a thing, but there's a fine line there. Even if you're 50% that said, no, I can't be friends with my employees, you got to get to the point where they feel that you have empathy. They got your back. You know them on a one-on-one -on -one level. It used to be way back in the way. You go to work for this company. You'd work there for 20 years. You retired. There wasn't a relationship. Didn't need a relationship. If you, that, that was just the norm. But now people, they need that connection a little bit. And then and you got to think of that as a manager, how you can do it. One of the big things we teach in, in the seminar is just simply to print out their job description sometimes. Mm -hmm print out the job description and do a brainstorming, update that job description just to see what that person does on a daily basis. Because a lot of managers don't even know what that person, that task that they do on a daily basis. And if you go through that process of brainstorming, again, anytime you can do any kind of brainstorming, it's creating that empathy, it's creating that bond. And you do that brainstorming and, and a lot of times you can go through and rewrite those job descriptions. And then I even go a step farther. I tell my CEOs, managers, have them initial every line item and sign the bottom. Because me as a manager, I never want to hear the words, I didn't know that was my job responsibility. Because I failed as a manager at that point. You know, to maybe tell them if they really didn't know that's your job responsibility. And there's no, there's, it's a clear black and white at that point. If I've had you initial all that, we brainstorm everything you do and then sign the bottom. That's our commitment that we're not going to ever have that conversation that you saying that I didn't know that was my job responsibility. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought about it that way in terms of having that open communication about even yeah. their job. Accountability. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah. You, have to, you have to have consequences and accountability if you want to get people to do things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. That's a great idea for listeners to be able to do even with the people that they have on right now is going through that list and knowing actually what their people are doing and 
not necessarily micromanaging, but having a, a tab on what's going on in their company and their team. Right. Yeah, sure. it makes a world of difference. And you got to, and there's, it's just the world we live in nowadays, especially with all this stuff now. There's different things that we're doing now with corporate people that they're saying, how can I engage my people through this pandemic? Everybody's working at their house. I'm like, one of the big things that we're having people do now is everybody's in their home office. I go say, go get one thing that resonates to you and show it to the group. So you'll have 20 people on a zoom and you can go grab a stuffed animal or a book and hold it up and show everybody and then tell everybody why that resonates, why that's important to you. Cause everybody's in that. You do that about every other week and they're excited because they found something. Oh, I need that. I should have had that last time. And it's just a good team building exercise and stuff you can do just on a situation like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm so glad that you mentioned that also. You're full of good ideas. Shoot. Yeah, cool. Awesome. If people want to reach out to you more and learn more about these awesome ideas that you have with working with teams um, or coaching or helping people just become better um, at asking open-ended questions, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, go to timlansford.com, T-I-M-L-A-N-S-F-O-R-D.com, timlansford.com. Email tim at timlansford.com. Easiest way to get me. If you want a phone number, just because the world of phone numbers, I'm still okay with talking on the phone. That's 214-356-9663. 214-356-9663. And reach out to me on one of those methods. Like I say, we'll get back to you or call you if I'm on the road or doing seminars a lot. Leave me a good message and other than that, I love people. We like to have fun. That's one of the big things. You got to be able to have fun. This is my passion. This is my purpose is to help people, train people, to get people to the next level. And that's what I strive to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim, for joining the podcast today. It was fun. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.